Uh, we've been uh, working our way through, if you're joining us online, you may know this. We've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we are the sort of the final before the power and the glory, which of course uh, uh, is a uh, adaptation, but we want to continue to think about the message. We've started off with the Father that loves us, the Father that cares for us. And I remind you that the Jesus revolution is started and propelled through the power of prayer. The very core of the Jesus revolution is that we are a praying people because prayer changes things. And when we pray, we know that God is at work in our lives and, and we bring that. And it's at the very core, it's the very challenge of all that is the Jesus revolution is our ability to seek and to pray. We're praying at the moment and fasting towards Easter. And as we think about Easter on uh, Good Friday, we'll be gathering here at uh, 10 a.m. in the morning to celebrate and remember the death of Christ. Saturday service, we're doing something slightly different, and that is that we are, um, uh, rather than having the Saturday night um, Easter service on that Saturday night, which sort of always feels a little bit awkward, uh, he is risen, sort of, uh, which, which of course he has, but it's Saturday in Australia, he has risen. Um, we decided on Saturday night we're going to have what we call uh, the Silent Saturday, a Saturday evening service of worship, communion and prayer for healing. See, I know as a pastor, a lot of you are living in Saturday. You've come through Friday, but you haven't seen the breakthrough of the resurrection of the Lord in your life. And we want to pray with people who are struggling. We want to pray with people who need healing. We want to pray with people who need that ministry. And on that Saturday, that silent Saturday, between the cross and between the resurrection, we want to hold a prayer vigil and a service here where we can bring our longings to the Lord. That in between time, and many of you are living spiritually, I know, in different areas, you've got immense hope, but you've also got disappointment. That's the Christian life at times. Hope in one hand and in disappointment because we need God to do a miracle in that area in our life. And so on um, Saturday evening, we're going to be doing something slightly different and, um, and, and sharing together. If you are unaware, the youth have their auction next weekend, and I want to encourage you to uh, support that, find out, purchase tickets. There's always great items and activities you can, um, you can do, get involved in. It's their fundraising. We're taking 120 of our grade 10s, 11s, and 12s to LA this year. So that's amazing, isn't it? And they're going on mission. And... Um, They'll be uh, discipling them and working with them, and they'll be going. Pursuit School, uh, we're down in Abbotsford. Uh, the, the youth get to go to L.A., and Pursuit School go to Abbotsford. Uh, life doesn't get better than Abbotsford. Um, but they were down there for the apologetics conference. Michelle was down there leading them and Joel and they had a terrific time and caught the window on the Coca Cola. So um, just to be able to get back in time. God's doing some uh, wonderful things. My offering to you this morning as we explore is on this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. 
Uh, deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Um, what is evil? How does the biblical view of evil work it out? Let me explain at the time of Jesus, that the time of Jesus, they were waiting for something remarkable to happen. All of the prophets had been groaning and speaking about a great awakening, a great moment when something would happen in the world that would change the world. The world was dark. The world is fallen. And they were waiting for a mighty moment when something would happen. They were on the eve of something, something profound, something that would change the globe, something that would change the world that we live in. And at that moment in an unknown small town of Bethlehem, little did the rest of the world know that a virgin would give birth to the son of the living God who would be the Messiah to rescue humanity from the condemnation of sin and death. And we have this moment when we see these words as, as Mary has been visited and for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hills and the country with haste into a city of Judah. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. We've been waiting for the handmaiden of the Lord. For the one that would give birth to the answer of humanity. The one that would come in the immense darkness and the battle that takes place. Have you ever wondered why the world always feels as if somehow it's at war somehow? Have you ever wondered why when you flip through uh, BBC or CNN or Fox News or CBC, you wonder why the world seems to be at war and what seems to be taking place? I don't just mean at war, I mean metaphorically. It's like humanity is always struggling and is at war. Well, the truth is that we are at war. There is a war going on. There is a war amongst darkness to take people away from the will and the mightiness of God. But the answer to this war, the great light that arrived to shine, this great light is the, is the advent of Jesus Christ coming into the world. Now why did he come? He came to defeat evil. He came to defeat darkness. He came to defeat Satan. He came to defeat sin. He came into this world to deal with humanity's greatest problem. Let me explain this to you. Evil. We know in the, if you do a quick overview of scripture, you understand that, that evil entered the world through Adam and Eve when they chose to go against what God had asked them to do. And we call that the fall. And at that moment, humanity fell into darkness. Evil came. The tempter came to humanity. And there, Adam and Eve, 
They experienced that. And from that point on, that battle of obedience and disobedience was humanity's story. And as the battle of disobedience and obedience is, is, is battling on, you have the global struggle with demonic forces and with the darkness in the world interfering with the divine order of what God has created. And humanity is being interfered. And there is a battle that is taking place between humanity and between God's heart and God's purposes and between those interfering forces of evil that exist within the world. It feels like a war zone because actually the world is a war zone between God's light and between the enemy's darkness. But we are children of the light. And the reason... And the result of this darkness that has entered the world is that we are dead physically in our sin. We are dead spiritually in our lives. And we live in the danger of dying without Christ, of being eternally separated from him. And the plight of humanity then is that we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to darkness. We are Being forced often by our own slavery, created by our individual pride or created by our own selfishness. We have believed a lie that has grabbed humanity. And this lie, this slavery affects every area of the world. It affects our politics. It affects world religions. It affects economics. It affects all of these areas because we are in a global struggle of life against evil, against the powers of darkness, the principalities and the powers, the strongholds that exist that oppose the holiness and the righteousness of God. And if you were to read Article 4, 4 of our Confession of Faith within our own denomination, you would understand that what I've recounted you is exactly the concept of our theological understanding that we are in a global struggle. But you know what? I want to tell you that this prayer is so beautiful because we can pray, deliver us from evil. And lead us not into temptation. And evil is present. What is evil? How is evil described in scripture? Well in scripture evil is described as this way of going in different directions. That you either choose the right path or the evil path. That is the one imagery that exists in Scripture. Another Scripture shows us throughout uh, a survey of Scripture is that evil hunts us down and desires to snare us and to trap us. That's another picture of evil within our world. Evil also is portrayed in a way through our body that we can Be evil by the way we speak, by the acts of our hands, by the things that we think, by the way that we look. We can be drawn into evil within our lives. Agriculture, evil is seen as weeds and thorns and areas that are sown into our lives. You see, if you take the whole of the Bible, you see this divine struggle that evil 
wants us always to go in the wrong direction. Evil always wants to hunt us down and trap us and kill us. Evil wants to mess our creativity and our fruitfulness in our life. And evil wants to create a wasteland of weeds and problems within our lives. And evil wants to come and take our mouth and our actions and what we say our body and our heart and wants to control us. And we've all met people who it's like they've been hunted down by evil and they're in a trap that has ruined their lives. I was in that trap myself. Before I ever met the Lord Jesus Christ, I was trapped by my own pride, trapped by my own selfishness, trapped by my own fleshly desires. And yet one day Jesus came to that man trap and he freed me and he gave me forgiveness. He gave me life and he freed me from the power of evil that gripped my life. And as I walked out of that little gospel church, born again for the first time in my life, I felt for the first time free and I felt clean. I was new. Nobody ever told me there was a global struggle. Nobody ever told me that there was this battle of evil pursuing me. This hunter that wants to destroy me. But I met the one who is the liberator and that was Jesus Christ. I know for some of you it may seem like strange concepts. But this scripture here. For God, behold the handmaiden of the Lord. It is the handmaiden of the Lord that came to bring this freedom into the world. Now as Christians, I want to remind us that we will face a battle because we are in that in-between time. Between all that Christ achieved and between the coming of the Lord when he will make all things new. And therefore we live in that in-between place, in that battle within our lives. And so we will face temptings. We will face trials. We will face tests in our lives. And often we can forget as Christians that we are in a world in this war and there is this this very sense that at times we will be tempted because Jesus Christ himself was led By the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell us these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live On bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus himself was tempted. We will, at times in our lives, be tempted. Now, was it wrong in Scripture to turn stones into bread? Absolutely not. Was it wrong for Jesus to eat that bread at that time when he's on a fast? But it's interesting what Jesus answered in the time of temptation. And it gives us a key of how to get over temptation within our lives. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How we overcome temptation in our lives is to put the word of God at the center of our lives, the center of our hearts. And it's by the word of God, the sword of the spirit, that we can break the power of darkness within our lives. Now, interesting that this word means rhema, which is not logos. Logos is the large, humongous view of Scripture, the Ten Commandments, the logos, the general truth, the truth that exists, the Sermon on the Mount. It is the logos. It is the truth of God that stands true and strong. But here he uses the word in the writing of rhema, which means... But man shall not live on bread alone, but on every current, living, active word of God in my life right now when God is speaking to me and is living in a personal relationship with me in my life, then I will overcome the temptation that comes before me because I love his voice more than I love the lies of the enemy. That's how we overcome temptation. If our religion is old and crusty, if our faith has become dull and hard and we've lost the intimacy, we've lost the closeness, we've lost that, that love that we have in our lives. It's hard to resist because we've got religion, not relationship. But when you've got rhema at work in your life is what God is saying to you now. And he is the most precious thing in your life. When the tempter comes, you can stand against him because you know that Jesus is speaking to you now in your life. And that's the food that gets us through temptation. Jesus went through trials. And we will and go through trials in life. Where did Jesus' trials come from? It comes from, well, first of all, family. I mean, Jesus had problems with his parents and his family and his brothers. And they would, they would thought he was mad. They thought he was crazy. What in Mark chapter 3, they grabbed hold of him and tried to pull him away because they thought he'd gone absolutely crazy. Who needs friends and family like that? Maybe you say you ever met my family. But, but we have that battle. And I want to remind you that testing always comes through the closest people to us. Testing is always through family and friends. Yes, he was tested by his, uh, the Pharisees. And he was betrayed by his closest uh, friends. Judas himself betrayed him. And in life... You and I will continually face testing of relationships where it's hard work, where we have to show grace, where we have to show God's love, where we have to show God's, God's forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. And trials... There are times in life when we pray this prayer. 
Deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation because we've been tempted and the thing that has freed us is the knowledge of the living word of God in our lives. We love Jesus more than we love sin. There are times when we have to pray this prayer, deliver us from evil because the relationships that we are in are so toxic that it's destroying and hurting our lives. And there are times in our lives when we go through challenges, deep challenges that are so difficult. I call them our garden experiences, our Gethsemane experiences where Jesus entered into the trial. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, be James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. How many of you haven't been there? How many of us have been sorrowful and troubled? Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch for me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, If it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is utterly, metaphorically naked here. His world, what he has to do. He's in the garden. He feels the pain. He feels the anguish. He's saying, I don't want this cup. This is so hard. Maybe you've been there when you've traveled through a divorce. You didn't expect it. You didn't expect your world to fall to pieces. You didn't expect the relationship that you were so optimistic to end. And yet you've been in the garden because you've laid on your face weeping. The trial is wrecking you. Maybe that diagnosis from the doctor came to you. You never expected it out of the blue, but you are in the garden and you are weeping and you are struggling. Maybe it's that business deal that went completely wrong and you are lost what you've invested in, in so many areas and you feel the trial and you feel the difficulty and you have nothing to console yourself except being in the presence of the Father. Deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation. So many of us travel through the garden at times in our lives. So many of us feel alone and abandoned. A trial comes to us, a test through others, a tempt through lies of the enemy. It is always a lie. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Notice the word temptation. Jesus has been tempted to not go through with the great move towards the cross. His believers, his disciples are tempted to sleep while the important things are taking place. There is, uh, when I pray, deliver us from evil and lead me not into temptation. When I pray that prayer, I am praying, Lord, 
keep me awake. Keep me awake spiritually. Keep me alive in God. Keep me doing what Jesus is asking me to do. Because the greatest temptation for us as Christians is we become dull. We become cold. We lose our relationship with God. We lose, his, uh, we lose our intimacy with him in our lives. That is the greatest temptation. That when he's prodding you, you're asleep. Don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When I pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. God does not lead you into temptation. And the original um, Arabic that went to the Greek, that went to the Latin, that went to our, the way that we uh, interpreted it, it has a natural ring to it, of course. But what it's saying is, basically, Lord, help me. Not to be led into temptation. Rescue me. Keep me safe. Don't let me become the one that falls asleep. Don't let me be the one that gives in. Don't allow me to go down the wrong avenue. Don't allow me to be snared by the trap of evil. Don't allow my life to become full of thorns and weeds. Don't allow my mouth and my body to be used for evil purposes. May I be spared from this because I want to live first of all for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we always battle that we fall asleep into temptation. For many of you, your temptations aren't the normal ones, I guess, that we kind of think, the deadly sins. You're a pretty gorgeous, wonderful bunch of people. But the danger is that your temptation is that when you should be watching and praying, you're asleep. You're not on fire for Jesus. You're not living for him. Lead us not into temptation. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for the cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back again, He found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. I know that feeling. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. They gave in to that temptation, to sleep. It's a battle. It's a struggle. Isn't it amazing that the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray, deliver us from evil and lead us not into temptation, protect us from temptation, don't allow us to go down the route of temptation, is the one prayer that was not answered for Jesus. wasn't answered for him. Deliver me from evil. He was not going to be delivered from evil. He was going to be taken and thrown 
into evil itself. At the edge of Gethsemane, he would be thrown, he would be accused, he would be beaten, he would be spat upon, he would experience the evil of humanity, he would be crucified on that cross, he would fall into the very depths of evil and he would not be delivered at that time. And the truth is this, because he himself went through evil and darkness and pain and suffering and rose on the third day. He gained the victory. You and I will be, can be, are are delivered from the power of evil in our lives. See, by him dying on the cross... And by traveling through evil itself and experiencing the very depths of pain upon his life. I can now pray, deliver me from evil and lead me not into temptation. Why? Because he has delivered me from evil. He has delivered me. I am free. I am forgiven. I am a new man. I'm a brand new creation. I've experienced God's freedom and deliverance. I'm no longer afraid of the hunter that hunts me down. I'm no longer afraid of the weeds that may grow because I can pull it out and I can come to the Lord with the weapons of our battle of confession and forgiveness and deliverance and declare that strongholds and resist the devil and he shall flee. That's what scripture teaches us. So in my inner battles, I have to remind myself, he went through the pain of the cross so that I may be delivered from evil within my life. That's all he did. And he did that through the cross. From darkness to noon, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's calling Elijah, they said. They ran and offered him a drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. He was delivered into evil so that you and I are delivered out of evil. I don't know what evil you're battling with. What struggles you're facing. But I want to encourage you that when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, we pray it with such a sense that we want to see that God's deliverance in our lives. Why? Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil has schemes to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Those schemes are real. They're there to rob you of who you are. See, when we approach evil and sin and darkness... 
There are three responses. The first response is that people put their, their heads in the sand and they say, does it exist? It's not real. This battle's not out there. I don't believe in it. The second response, so you've met these Christians, that there is evil and demonic forces everywhere under every cornflake packet. There is something lurking that's going to get you. Have you met those Christians? Oh, it's the devil. No, my car's just broken down. It's the devil. No, my car did break down this week. It's definitely the devil. And (laughs) goes on. There are those people then that like, oh, I'm the saviour. They're the knight on a shining charge. Hey, I've got my shield. I've got my sword. Bring it on, devil. I'm ready, evil. Come on. The Rambo of the Christian world. But all three are... Wrong. We defeat the enemy through our humility and submission to Christ. You see, the Sadducees were the ones who stuck their heads in the sand and said, it doesn't really exist. They were kind of the sort of Jewish atheists of the time, if you like. Agnostics. The Pharisees were the one, evil's everywhere, don't touch it. Let's make up 700 new laws. No, there was that that battle. So when I pray this prayer, and I pray it with this in mind, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is the, the essence, that when I pray this prayer and I come to this table... I am reminded that I am a precious child of God. And when I pray this prayer, this is how I pray it, friends. I pray and remind myself that I am in a real live battle for the souls of humanity. And this is real. And that the lies of the enemy are out there and we are enslaved by selfishness and pride. But this is a real battle. For the souls and hearts of humanity. And I pray it in a way that I'm saying, Lord, allow me to escape this evil. And escape the evil within my life. And allow me to to see your deliverance in times of tempting, testing and trials. It reminds me that I pray this part of the prayer that helped me to bear the weight of what I might go through. Because some of you are going through the tough times and we need to pray this that God will help us to bear the struggle, stand up to it, be there humbly. I'm going to bear the weight. And finally, I pray this part of the prayer, always asking the Lord that I would be faithful. That I wouldn't be unfaithful, but I would be a faithful servant. That I'd be in the battle. That I would escape. That I would bear with it. And I would be faithful. Those four things in my journey with the Lord. I don't want to put my head in the sand. I don't want to become so 
obsessed that it appears. All I talk about, I know. And I don't want to be the saviour and the rescuer because there's only one saviour, one rescuer, and it's Jesus Christ. And he has delivered you from the worst evil. Friends, you and I are going to live forever. And because he was delivered into the hands of evil, you and I are delivered from evil. Hallelujah. It's fantastic. I love being a Christian, which is a relief, isn't it? (laughs) It's a relief because I'm your pastor. I love it. Let's pause before the table. I'll invite the ushers to come and the servers. For a moment, search your heart and ask yourself the question, which direction are you traveling in your heart? What areas have snared you in your life right now? And if you can see the areas of the trap, then you break the trap right now and confess it to Jesus and ask for his deliverance if you feel trapped with evil. What weeds are growing in your life? Pull some weeds out right now. What what are you doing with your body? It's not what you put inside a man that defiles him. It's what's inside of us. Bring all. Examine yourself and ask the Lord to forgive you. And to cleanse you. And while we do this, maybe you're not a Christian. And while the Christians are doing some personal surgery, personal examination kneeling before the cross in their minds and handing over the rucksack of life struggles, you know that you need to be delivered from evil. You need to be forgiven. You're not a Christian or you're so far away from God, you feel like you're not a Christian. You can take communion, but first of all, get right with God. Scripture says all are welcome, but... Those that do not believe, do not take it. But you want to believe right now. This is a prayer of commitment. You can whisper to yourself to follow Jesus. Away from evil and sin and darkness and into God's glorious light. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus... I accept this morning that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and change me. You gave yourself for me upon the cross. I give myself to you. I make you Lord of my life. Save me, I ask. Renew my heart. 
In Jesus' name. Amen.